Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Just Films and That with me, Josh Hallam. And me, Alice Oliver. This is the podcast where we talk about films that we think are underrated, underappreciated, or we just wanted to talk about them. We're also going to get stuck into some classic films that one of us maybe hasn't seen and maybe throw in some great guests along the way. Uh, so, we'll start with a random question as we do every week. Alice, are you a night owl or an early bird? I am definitely an early bird and not uh, really like trying to be. The problem is I get really tired like quite early in the evening. So, sort of as soon as eight o'clock, half eight comes around, I'm like, Whew, time to go to bed now, I think. Um, but also having a dog and, you know, getting up early to walk her because I like to get a walk in before work in the morning. So I tend to wake up at around six. And that also means that the park is usually completely empty, which means she can run around and just kind of have as much fun as she wants. Um, but yeah, definitely an early bird. And I do I do just kind of like being in bed as well. So even if I do get tired early in the evening, I'm just like, well, I'll just go to bed then, which is the best place on earth anyway. Why would you want to be anywhere else? But even even in my younger days as well, as well, I was a bit of an early one, like just always waking up early. I, I'm quite a light sleeper. So if, it get, if it's getting light outside, I will wake up because it just wakes me up. Like I can't sleep through it. Um, so yeah, definitely an early bird. What about you? I'm guessing you're a night owl, given how you sniggered at my answer. <sighs> yeah, you nerd. <laughs> uh, yeah so i'm i'm a i'm an exceptionally heavy sleeper to oh, the point really? where like i am it takes me a long time to wake up in the morning uh, i have very i sleep very deeply which a lot of people sort of go oh god i wish i wish i slept very deeply and it obviously does have its its um its positives and i can sort of sleep in uncomfortable places and and i can i can sleep through most of the time but it obviously has its downsides and it's really hard to get up in the morning, which probably sounds like a bit of a first world problem, but I'm very, very groggy when I wake up. So yeah, probably a night owl, but obviously I get up when I need to get up early. Um, but if I had to categorize myself as one or the other, yeah, I'd probably be a night owl. Um, yeah, night owl. I'm going to say night owl. And that actually lines up with something you've told me before where you have a cold shower in the morning. So I guess that's kind of part of that, isn't yeah, it? Just to kind of wake I you do. up and get you started. <laughs> it's the, it's how I literally, it's how I wake myself up. I've tried so many different things. Like I, so I, I can turn my alarm off in my sleep. 
Oh, yeah. I've done that about twice in my life. Yeah. Yeah. So so I can, I can, I can get up and walk across the room and turn the alarm off and get back into bed. And it doesn't. You full on walk. Yeah, and it almost doesn't register that I've done it. And I tried stuff like putting a post-it note on the alarm to be like, don't (laughs) turn me off. But nothing really works. So the only thing that works, if I absolutely have to be up at a certain time, I have to say to my other half, who is a very light sleeper, you've got to wake me up tomorrow. Yeah. How did she do it? How did she wake you up? Is it like um, sort of... She usually goes, get up. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Or puts the light on or... Rips, she's literally she's she's like put the light on she's taken a duvet off she's put a hairdryer on and I've still <laughs> slept through honestly it's, I I don't know what the matter with what's the matter with me but yeah the only thing that does wake me up is a, is a cold shower um, which is awful but there we go <laughs> Okay, so we'll move on to talking about this week's film, which is In the Heart of the Sea from 2015. So spoiler warning if you've not seen it. Um, Alice, you picked this one. So what's it about and why did you pick it? So In the Heart of the Sea follows the story of a man named Thomas Nickerson in 1850 as he retells the tale of what happened on a whaling ship named the Essex some years ago in 1820. An author named Herman Melville has asked to hear the story which will inspire his novel Moby Dick. We follow young Thomas, played by Tom Holland, as he joins the crew of the Essex, which includes Chris Hemsworth as Owen Chase, Benjamin Walker as Captain Pollard, and a few other familiar faces. The crew is headed out from Nantucket, Massachusetts to source whale oil to make loads of cash but after some time out in the Atlantic, they don't have much luck, so decide to head to the Pacific. On their way, they meet another ship captain who tells them he saw hundreds of whales out in the Pacific, but warns them of a giant white whale that destroyed his ship, killing six of his crew. Ignoring his warnings and desperate to make money, Captain Pollard and Chase decide it's a good idea to go anyway, setting sail for those bountiful waters. They soon discover that the tale of the gigantic white whale was true. It sinks their ship, leaving them on the much smaller fishing boats with limited resources, and from there we follow the seamen's journey as they try to stay alive thousands of miles from the shore with the whale pursuing them. So that's what it's about. The reason I picked it was that, so when it, I think it was sort of just after it first came out, I'd asked a couple of people to sort of sit down and watch it with me because I was quite interested in watching it um, because I'm interested in in sort of sea creatures and sea mammals in particular. Like I love anything that's got to do with whales, but I'm also very interested in sharks as well. You'll remember that I picked Deep Blue Sea uh, some time ago. Um, So I wanted to watch it because of that. Big fan of Chris Hemsworth. So, you know, always keen to watch anything that he's been in. Uh, But yeah, no one wanted to watch it with me. Everyone sort of thought that it was going to be a bit naff. And I do believe that I think that critically it didn't do very well. And I know that financially it was a bit of a flop and it didn't make back its budget, basically. Um, But I sat down and watched it on my own. And I did enjoy it, but I only saw it the one time. And it just popped into my head a few weeks ago. And I was like, I wonder wonder how I would feel about that now, watching it and analysing it and kind of watching it through sort of different eyes and doing it in a sort of review way. but I really, really enjoyed it. And I thought it was a brilliantly constructed film. And it, there were just so many things about it that I really liked. Um, Josh, had you seen this one before? Uh, no, so I hadn't seen it before. I, I'd heard of it, uh, sort of remember it. I remember the buzz, a couple of things about it um, but be- before it came out. Before I go on, actually, I'm interested to know, uh, something that popped into my head is that obviously you've been quite open in the past about your fear of 
sort of sea creatures and that sort of thing. But you have picked a couple of things that are based around the sea and the ocean, that sort of thing. Do you think that your sort of curiosity and fear feed each other? You know, is it like a morbid thing? Like, do you think there's a link between the two? There's there's obviously something going on there, isn't there? Because I am I am terrified of the sea. Like I didn't used to be when I was a kid, but now, like if I go on holiday or whatever, like I'll go in the sea, but I can go maybe knee deep, and then I can't go any further because I get too scared. Even in the beaches in North Wales, I think, oh my god, a great white <laughs> shark is going to come and take me away. Um, but I'm absolutely fascinated with it at the same time. And like, I have got a bit of a phobia of fish. Uh, so if I see fish in a tank, like I can't really go to aquariums. Um, or if I see fish like in the fishmongers in a supermarket, I have a real like physical reaction. Like I'll get a bit breathless, like my heart start pounding and start getting sweaty. And it's very much like that sort of phobic reaction, whereas that you, you, your body for some reason thinks you're in danger because you've seen this thing or you've experienced this thing. But in the same breath, I will, I have, I have watched every single episode of Blue Planet, Planet Earth, Frozen Planet, everything <laughs> like that. I love it and I'm obsessed with it. And I've seen them, you know, many, many times over. So I, I, it's a weird one to try and explain and I can't explain it myself, but it's, I guess your fear factor and your fascination factor, like they're both, they're both very strong emotions, aren't they? And they're both very strong feelings. So I wonder if they do just kind of sort of play into one another somehow. I know that, you know, you hear about people sort of having morbid fascinations with things. I don't know if it is that, but there's obviously something there. But I wonder if you are just kind of fascinated by the things that scare you because you want to try and figure out, well, why why does it scare me? Why am I scared of this thing? Um, but no, like think sea creatures, um, sea mammals especially, I just find them all so, so fascinating. It's like people are so obsessed with the pursuit of aliens and it's like, just look at the ocean. Like look how completely like far away from us as, as anything could be almost. But yeah, just I just find them fascinating. Is it is it because the film has got whales in it and you're from Wales. Well, I wonder. I do wonder about that sometimes. <laughs> yeah, maybe um, subconsciously. I'm just so preoccupied with repping whales all the time that I'm just like, yeah, anything that's got whales in it, I'm in. <laughs> but no, I, I I think I agree with what you're saying. I think the curiosity and the fear feed each other. Like I, pro- I might have said to you before, I've got a friend who is like really scared, as a lot of people are, of spiders, but he always reads about these gigantic horrible spiders like prehistoric ones that are bigger than dogs and stuff like that and and he always will you know he will talk about it you know i read about this and i and i think i think that's what it is i think curiosity and fear feed each other whether it's because you want to numb yourself to the fear or educate yourself so you're not scared or whether it is like you say just a morbid fascination with it i think i think that's what it must be um but back to answer your question so no i hadn't seen this before um I remember there being a buzz about it because, as there quite often is with this sort of thing, the act, a lot of the actors lost a load of weight to do the film. So I remember like, you know, like clickbait articles where you see like a picture of like a like Will Smith or someone and it's like, you'll never guess what his house looks like and it's a big house. And you're like, oh, superstar Hollywood movie star has a big house. <laughs> I'm so who'd surprised. Have, who'd have thought I thought you lived in a one bed? Like... <laughs> 
Because that get... would be the real shocking yeah. thing, wouldn't yeah. it? It's like, look at Will Smith's yeah. studio he lives, apartment. He just lives in a caravan. He's happy. <laughs> He's all Will. Um, but he, uh, but but there's or, or you get like child stars, and it's like you'll never guess what they look like now. Surprise! An adult version of Mara Wilson or an adult version yeah. of Macaulay <laughs> Culkin. Like exactly it's nothing... the same, just two feet taller. <laughs> yeah, 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 with a beard. But I, but I remember um, this coming out and it being like you'll never guess who this is because obviously Chris Hemsworth is famous for essentially being big and handsome and buff and Thor size Thor yeah so, so he obviously lost loads of weight to do it grew a big beard made himself look scruffy obviously they, they then made them up like um, they've been stuck at sea for months because so all their skin is damaged their lips are damaged so there's a picture of him quite you know the, I'm sure if you google Chris Hemsworth weight loss it's the first picture that comes up and he it doesn't look like him. So that was one of the clickbait articles. It was like, you know, you'll never guess who this is. So I remember that. Um, and, and similar to what you said, I do remember it being either, not necessarily critically really poorly received, but just like, just sort of came and went. Didn't make any money. Didn't make a, didn't make any headway. Didn't make a splash. Hey. You could say. Hey. <laughs> that's why people listen. Yeah. It's, it's the content of it. that's why people make waves that's the same joke that you made let's move on <laughs> right but so yeah so I sort of went in I knew it was Ron Howard as well and I knew it was something to do with Moby Dick so I was actually quite interested to watch it um so you said you watched it again and you liked it so what did you like about it so there are many many things that I liked about this film and we're not going to have time to cover them all um but we'll, we'll try we'll do our best um so the first thing that I sort of took note of was, so I'm, I'm very interested in that sort of time period. So 1800s. So the, the film sort of in its present day is in 1850, but the bulk of the story takes place in 1820. Um, and I'm very interested with that time period, especially over in North America and everything that was going on there. Um, I'm very interested in kind of finding out what life was like for those sort of first settlers and stuff. And that's, that's a bit of kind of morbid curiosity as well, I suppose, because of how just kind of grim and horrific the whole circumstances around it was. Like all these people leaving this part of the world to go and find a better life and a new world and then all, everything that happened afterwards and just kind of how sort of horrific and, and brutal it all was. Um, so I'm very interested in that. And with obviously the time period comes the aesthetics of it. So the streets look great. Loads of their outfits looked great. You've got the horse and carriages roaming about the place. Obviously there were tons of boats in it and like loads of old school boats. And I always find that interesting to see. Um, so I'm very interested in the topic of whaling itself. Um, so it's just, you get sort of two very different attitudes towards it in the film where obviously you've got the very sort of money-driven kind of capitalist obsessed people who want to kill these whales because they need their oil and that's all they see them as it's just it's just cash we just need the money so we have to murder these whales and then you've got in Tom Holland's character a kind of more innocent sort of viewpoint in it and you get these moments where you can see that he's pained when he sees what they're having to do to the whales so obviously they stab them uh, with the harpoons you get there's one whale that has a young calf next to it and you sort of spend a lot of time with them and he's obviously very pained by the whole thing and more towards the end of the film Chris Hemsworth Chris Hemsworth's character Owen Chase and then Captain Pollard they get a bit of that as well where they sort of realize oh god like what are we doing like is this right is it right to be sort of just so blinded by the pursuit of cash that we put these 
obviously very intelligent creatures through such horrors and then eventually kill them. So I'm interested in that. Um, I thought, um, I, so I thought the score was great. I thought the music did a really great job at kind of building tension. Like it wasn't all like, so it wasn't too much and it wasn't in your face and it wasn't really obvious like, oh, this is a sad piece now, so be sad. Or this is a scary piece, so you need to be scared. It just felt on point to me. I felt like it was just struck the right balance of kind of striking the mood, but then not being too, just being too obvious about it. And I did notice as well that they use like some whale sounds within the score, or at least things that sounded like whales. And I thought that was really, that was really um, interesting and just like a really smart way of kind of evoking all these feelings. Um, and also at building the tension, because there would be a few sort of instances, you know, when they're sort of on the chase and, and you know, they're hunting these whales and they're, they're getting close to them and you've got, like, the pace of the music was, like, build up, build up, build up. Um, so I thought the score was fantastic. Um, I thought that there were so many, like, there were so many layers to it and there were so many themes involved. So as well as, you know, obviously the idea of whaling, you had things like confession, survival, capitalism, like I said previously, status, family, pride and obsession and just all these themes that I felt got sort of equal like they just had equal thought put into them and it just made the whole film like feel really full and I think I've used that word to describe a film before where you just feel I just felt satisfied from every angle what about you Josh I'll, I'll stop a bit now I get a bit excited I get a bit excited well, but no what were some of your favorite things I mean for, you know first of all I should say I also quite enjoyed it. I don't think I enjoyed it as much as you, but I did. <laughs> but I did enjoy it overall. I mean, what you're saying about the soundtrack, I completely agree with you there. I thought it was really interesting that they layered the soundtrack in such a way that, like you say, they built in the whale song. So there's whale song all through the soundtrack, and that there's like I didn't notice it at first, but then I did, and and, and that I I thought it was really interesting. I thought it really, it, I don't know, it added like a it added like a layer of tension, I guess, like you say to to some of the scenes where they're going after the whales. The first thing that comes to mind is, so obviously it's based on a true story. So what happened to the Essex is, is, uh, is really what is, is what happened there is what is depicted in the film. Captain Pollard is real. Owen Chase is real. Thomas Nickerson is real. Um, and I thought a lot of effort went into it from what I could tell to make it really authentic and to immerse you in the world of 1820s. And I do want to make a point about that shortly, which which we'll come back to, which is I think that the authenticity of the film is both its biggest strength and partially its weakness as well. But I thought, you know, I didn't know anything about this world. And obviously the whaling scenes and whaling itself is quite brutal. It's very brutal. It's not an easy thing to, to see and an easy thing to watch. If you watch things like Sea Spiracy, you see scenes in that way. You can, you know, it's not nice. It's not a nice thing. And I'd never really, I guess it's sort of an out of sight, out of mind, ignorance is bliss type attitude. I'd never really thought about what must have gone on. But I, you know, I thought it was interesting. The authenticity was quite educational. I never really realized that they were using whale oil to do what they're doing in the film, which I think is to, is essentially to power some of the towns and cities. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. Obviously, all the sailing was quite authentic. It all seemed quite authentic. So I really liked that. Um, again, like some of the some of the themes they touched on, particularly the theme of um, sort of experience versus status, was really interesting. So for the first part of the film, because it's kind of a film of two halves, really. The first hour is almost about whaling and 
status and all that. And the second half is essentially like a survival film. But the first half, there's a lot of stuff about the rivalry between Owen Chase, who's Chris Hemsworth's character, and Captain Pollard, who's Benjamin Walker's character. And there's a lot of stuff that Pollard comes from this, this sort of well-to-do established Nantucket family who've always been in the whaling industry and were instrumental in setting it up and all that sort of thing. And Owen Chase is, you know, he's worked his way up and he's hoping to become a captain and he's experienced. And there's a lot of butting of heads there between, well, you don't speak to me that way because I'm from good blood, you know, and, and you're just a commoner. And we well, all just wet behind the ears. And just because you come from this family doesn't mean you know better than me. And I thought that was that sort of interesting. That was interesting in the way that ultimately regardless of their rivalry, they both wanted the same thing. So I thought that was quite interesting. I thought it was an, a, a really good cast, really good cast. So you, got, you know, you got Chris Hemsworth, Benjamin Walker, Tom Holland, Brendan Gleeson, Cillian Murphy, uh, Michelle Fairley, uh, Ben Wishaw, loads of really great actors in there. Um, and I, I quite like the script as well. So I thought the script, a lot of it, because I know it's based on, a, it's based on a book, which in itself is obviously the true story of Moby Dick. And, um, I enjoyed some of the script. There's, there's some re- particularly good lines from Brendan Gleeson's character, who's obviously playing the older version of Tom Holland. He says things like, you know, because we were 14, we were in a hurry to be men. I quite enjoyed that because that is, that is what you like when you're a 14-year-old. I don't know what it's like when you're a girl, but when you're a boy, you're just desperate to not be 14. And then once you get you know, into your twenties, you're just desperate to be back, back being oh, fourteen yeah. again. And some people, you know, would argue that we never, that you know, a lot of men never grow up. But um, <laughs> you know, or there's there's a there's a line about you know, back in the day, we thought the earth was flat and sailors feared sailing off the edge of the earth, and now we were sailing off the edge of insanity or off the edge of sanity. I thought that was a really good line. So some really really colourful dialogue in there that I thought painted a really good picture of particularly of around the time, which, again, fed into that idea of authenticity. Um, I thought the CGI was pitch perfect. I couldn't... The, the CGI was... I mean, obviously, I don't think there's any real whales in it, from what I can tell. So everything is... Everything must be CGI, um, or a great deal of it certainly is. So I thought it was good. I thought it was good o- o- overall. Um, I'd be interested to know what you think about the critical reception when we come to that. Um, I think... Back to what I was saying about authenticity. So, I've said the word authentic a lot, but <laughs> in this, but for me, the authenticity was the greatest strength of the film. But one thing I would have, I would say is selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, thirty six percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Get a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/work. Shopify.com/work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Because it was so keen to immerse you in that world of whaling and of boats and of sailing and all that. Whaling and sailing, should I say. Um, <laughs> It, there wasn't much exposition around what they were doing. So there was times when some of the characters were perhaps in peril on the boats or they were doing stuff and it was like, this isn't working. But if you don't know anything about sailing, there was a couple of scenes of action, so to speak, where I got a little lost and I was like, well, I don't understand why. If this is jammed, I don't know anything about sailing. So I think they could have perhaps done with, I don't know, perhaps treating Tom Holland's character because he's so young as, you know, having him do a bit of exposition, either via the narration or someone explaining to him, well, what does this mean? And I don't mean so much as to spoon feed you, but just a little bit more information about what they were actually doing and what and what whaling was. I mean, perhaps that would have been to the film's detriment. I'm not too sure, but I there was just a few times when I became a, a little lost with it. Um, one thing I will say is that it's thir- it's set 30 years ago and Tom Holland's meant to be 14 and Brenda Gleeson, that would make him 44. And there is absolutely no way. <laughs> Brenda, sorry, yeah, no, he looks... he's about 65. He looks about mid-60s, but I mean, yeah, doesn't he? <laughs> I suppose people did age. I, I, I suppose people did I mean, age. Uh, he did nearly starve to death. Did nearly so, starve uh, to death. Spent a lot of time in the sun. That does a number on you. Yeah, yeah. yeah spent a lot of time in the sun, sun and is clear. I mean, is is shown to be an alcoholic. So, yeah, exactly. You never know. Um, but no, overall, um, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I did. I did really love the relationship between Captain Pollard and Owen Chase. I thought they had a really great kind of development and they had a really great story arc and I know you said before it's like a film of two arms but I had written down that it's for me it's like three acts and it's like three very distinct acts like you've got the beginning which is all about you know the adventure and it's fun and it's high energy and it's like we're gonna go out there and kill some whales and you've got this conflict between Owen Chase and Captain Pollard because um like Captain, there's a storm coming and Captain Pollard wants them to sail right into the storm so that, you know, they can, he says something like, oh, if they can't survive this, then, you know, they don't deserve to mm. be here or something like that. Um, and Owen Chase is like, absolutely not like, you know, this is ridiculous. We're going to get in trouble because of this. And they have this sort of ongoing conflict. And like you say, because of their status, because Pollard is like, you know, I am I am better than you and I deserve to be the captain because of the family that I was born into, whereas Owen Chase is obviously the much more experienced sailor. 
And then you've got the second act, which is, like you said, the survival act. It's like the boat has gone down. We have limited food, limited water. How the hell are we going to do this? And then that's like a survival piece. And then you've got the final act where they get rescued. And then you've got this turmoil of all the like business owners, whoever runs like the, the whale oil business, want them to lie about what happened because it's not going to be good for profit. And both um, Captain Pollard and Owen Chase are like horrified at that. It's like you want us to whitewash something that happened because because of profit. And they're just sort of aghast at it and they can't believe it. And then they go to the hearing or Owen Chase doesn't even get to go to the hearing because he refuses to lie. But then Captain Pollard goes and then tells the truth anyway. But it still gets buried and like nobody knows the truth. That's why the author, Ben, is it Ben Wishaw? Is that, is that his yeah, name? Yeah, Ben that's Wishaw why plays Herman Melville, yeah. Yeah, that's why he's there. That's why he's had to go to the source to get all the facts because nobody knows the true story of it. And that just kind of really made me think of like how sort of, I guess like how isolating your own life journey is. It's like we saw what these guys went through. So Owen, Captain Pollard and the rest of their crew, Killian Murphy as well, who I completely forgot was in this. Killian Murphy was brilliant in this film. Um, so you've got all these guys who have been through something just unbelievably horrific that you just could not possibly fathom unless you were actually there. And they get back home, they make it home, they somehow survive and all they get told is, Nah, but you can't tell anyone though, because that would be bad for our business. And that must just feel so disappointing, just so horrifying. And it just made me think of how everyone's life journey is just so unique to them. Like, because unless you've been through something, you're not going to understand it really. And it it just kind of made me think of the loneliness that comes with that. And you really see that in um in older Tom Nicholson, when he's telling the story, like he's so pained by everything and he's never told anyone. He hasn't even told his wife what went on. And then it's all about that kind of cathartic release of finally getting it out there and finally being able to share his story. Um, and just away from that, kind of away from the characters and the cast and sort of how great they were, I just feel like it was a really well-constructed film. I thought the way the shots flowed into each other did a really good job at telling the story and made you really feel like you were there with them. So the camera would very often just be in sort of quite random and unexpected places, like it would be on the floor mm. or it would be on, on one of the barrels of oil or it would be in the rowboat next to them getting water spray all over it. And that really kind of immersed you into the story, I thought. And I just think it did such a good job at creating this sort of, this dramatic kind of scary, but then also a bit of an adventure kind of feel to the whole thing. Yeah, there's a lot of really great, like you say, really great shots in there from little intimate shots of these cramp, cramp situations that they're in on a boat to these fantastic scenic shots of open water. Like even so when they get to the scene where they're all sort of living and surviving on the little rowboats, it does a really good job of making it feel sort of hopeless and claustrophobic despite the fact it's it's in this vast space. I thought that was really good. So no, I know what you mean. Like, I completely agree with you there. The, it was very well constructed. Mm. And just like like you said as well, a few good lines of dialogue. When the boat, so the white whale has sort of rammed the boat to the point where then when it starts sinking and the captain just has to go prepare to abandon ship. And it's like, it's quite simple, but just so horrifying mm. at the same time. It's like you're 2,000 miles away from shore and now you're having to abandon ship. And it just really highlights the kind of the isolation of being lost at sea. It's the same with like space films. Mm. Like if something goes wrong, 
like you're screwed. Like yeah. you're so limited to what you can do. And it's horrifying. And the thing of it all being on a boat as well, like I don't know if you've seen Black Sails, but that's all about pirates and that's all on boats, but brilliant television show. Um, but just being on the boat, it's so grim. Like you're so exposed to all the elements and they're always pulling at ropes with no gloves on. And that just always makes me cringe because mm. I just think of the rope burn and like they were all just <laughs> kind of so dirty. And then when they're in the rowboats and, you know, they're basically starving to death and they're hallucinating and all this I just found it really just actually really powerful mm. sometimes cheesy maybe sometimes a little bit cheesy but definitely definitely just enjoyable like I was so immersed in it the whole way through it must have been tough Melissa, like you say because if you had to abandon shit back in you know 200 years ago it's just a death sentence wasn't it more or less like yeah because and it's it's just remarkable that any of them survived I mean they did have to eat a couple of their crewmates and that was kind of like the ultimate sacrifice and that was the thing that really pained Tom Nickerson in it and why he couldn't confess oh and I did I should have said as well actually it nearly made me cry there was one moment that made me cry and that isn't often with films and I don't know if I was just maybe feeling particularly emotional or whatever <laughs> but when when he's telling the story of that when they ate one of their crew had to eat one of their crew members you know to survive um, and he's telling that to Ben Wishaw's character, the author. And he's just like horrified. And he's like, I would never tell my wife, like she'd never be able to look at me and uh, all this. Mm. And she comes in and she's like, you know, no, it, you know, it doesn't matter. I love you, you know, whatever. That just really got me. Mm. Because I think, what is his name? Sorry, Bra Brandon Gleason. Bre Brendan, Brendan or Brandon? Gleason, yeah. Brendan. Brendan Gleason. I think he does such a good job at like depicting this really sort of pained older man. Like he's got this torture within his soul that he just has to kind of get out there mm. and i think he does that really well and you just really feel for him he does he does sort of male vulnerability quite well i think brendan gleason if you watch things like in bruges he, he, he does he does manly man and vulnerable man like in this he can flip between the two like seamlessly he's a fantastic actor he really is so we'll move on to uh talking about things that we perhaps uh, didn't like or we would change about the film. Now, I, I don't get the impression that there is much for you on this one, Alice. Is there anything at all? The accents. Yeah. The accents. So Chris Hemsworth yes. trying trying his best to do a, a Massachusetts accent. Um, it's not good. Uh, it's a little bit distracting. He does kind of, he either loses it a little bit towards the end or gets to grips with it so it's not as noticeable or I was just so immersed in the film that I stopped noticing. But him trying to do an American accent wasn't good. And I feel like because of the time period, obviously, the, this is tricky though, because it's based on a true story. Obviously, they want to be true to Owen Chase and, and you know, and you do have to be and it's like respectful to that man. Um, but because of the time period, like 1820 North America, there's likely that there would have been a lot of British people there anyway. Now, I know he's Australian, but he does an all right English accent when he's doing Thor. Mm. Like his Thor accent, I think, would have been fine with this and wouldn't have been a problem for me. But obviously they want to be true to the character and I totally get that. Um, but it was bad and it was distracting. Yeah. And Ben Wishaw as well, uh, who was also doing an American accent, not good. Killian Murphy's was all right. Obviously we we get American accents secondhand. Like, it's easier for us to hear when someone is doing a bad 
English accent because mm. we understand the nuances of it and we you know we understand how certain words are said or whatever and it's probably harder to hear sort of how spot on really an American accent is but Killian Murphy's accent I thought was fine um, but no just cri- it, it just distracted me and I know I've brought this up before but I do find it a little bit distracting when an actor is trying to do an accent and they're just not doing it very well that, yeah I mean that's that's probably my only point really as as well i mean obviously i made the point about the the authenticity and i think that's that's good and bad but yeah i mean i think there's a couple of quite bad accents in it the only thing i can think because it's not just chris hemsworth for me it is it's most of them um in it who aren't who aren't i think there's only one american actually in the cast which is which uh, in the sort of primary cast which is which is ben um benjamin walker um but yeah the only thing i can think is like you said is because it's set at a certain time in a certain place, they're trying to make them all sound like what they might have sounded like. And that, and and something has just hit a bum note there. You know, like when... So when Spielberg did Lincoln, Daniel Day-Lewis has obviously won his Oscar for playing Lincoln. Now, no one knows what Abraham Lincoln sounded like. So what he had to do was sort of reverse engineer where he was from, try and figure out what he might have sounded like based on things like his age and his height and... I think even things like his diet or his inflections in his writing and that sort of thing. And the only thing I can think is perhaps they've tried to do something like that with a Nantucket 1820s accent. But it it does take it does take you out of the film a little bit. Or it did for me, and I like you say, it did for you. So yeah, it was a bit that was a bit poor for me. Mm. But that that is it. For yeah, me. I mean um, yeah. I thought I thought overall it was a really good film. I thought it really was beautifully constructed, really evocative. It made me feel so much. Um, I th- I feel like you got so much from the whale, and you just. I mean, I appreciated and love. I love whales anyway, the country and the animal. <laughs> um, and you just, we were just so naive to it back then. I think like whales are obviously incredibly intelligent. They've got very complex family structures. Like they are these beautiful, majestic, just wonderful creatures. And people were out there just stabbing them with spears, trying to get their oil. And it just feels so horrendously barbaric. And But you go through that with Owen Chase's character and with the captain's character because they do get to the end of it. And it's like, oh my God, like, what are we doing? And like, especially with Owen Chase, like he's he's got a few like great moments where you just like you get some real close-ups of his eyes and you just kind of see this it's like a mixture of obsession and sort of respect and also awe at just kind of realizing wow we completely underestimated these creatures because he probably just thought that you know that they're just like mindless beings Mm. and it's like well we need to get from them what we can we need to make money etc etc and he just for me, I think I just found his arc really satisfying. Like I, I came away from that film thinking that he had had a proper journey, like not just in terms of what they had to go through physically, you know, almost starving to death, dying of thirst, eating their comrades, what have you, but just the kind of realisation that maybe humans aren't all that and there are other things out there that can outsmart you, outstrength you, that sort of thing. So we'll move on to talking about the critical reception then. So we know from what you've said earlier um, that we think it, it didn't do amazingly well critically or commercially. So what do you think? What do you think we're looking at in terms of a of a rating? So I definitely don't think it got up to a seven. I reckon we're probably looking somewhere in the six mark. Mm. Um, it's really hard to tell now because 
because I could see, like, I can see so much value in it. But the way that people have acted about it and the things people have told me, I don't think people liked it. So I'll just go, I'll go for a mid six. So if we said like a 6.5 IMDb wise or 65 sort of Rotten Tomato wise. So at the time of recording, IMDb gives it a 6.9 out of 10. But, but, Mm -hmm. brace yourself. Oh no, am I going to go apeshit? Rotten Tomatoes, the audience give it 53%. Oh, God. And the critics give it 42%. (gasps) That's... I don't even know what to say, Josh. (laughs) Like, I don't... Am I just watching a different film from the critics? First Natural Born Killers and now this. (laughs) And then Speed 2 and Casper as well. Like, what is wrong with these people? That is the point, (laughs) isn't it? Like, but, but... I mean, I looked at a couple 42. of the critics' reviews and mm. I couldn't, there wasn't a lot I could really see. Okay, we've touched on it. The accents aren't great. That's not yeah. losing 68% of the film, is it? Um, or 58% of, of the rating or whatever. I think the only thing I could see that they said, and you've already, again, you've already sort of mentioned it a little bit, is that it's cheesy. But I didn't think it was that cheesy. I didn't, it wasn't... It wasn't that cheesy. It wasn't that cheesy. It was a little bit cheesy. The problem is, you know where I think it goes wrong, is it sort of starts with that weird kind of voiceover. And the problem is with that is you don't really know who's talking. You don't know anything about the character and you don't know anything about the world yet. Mm. So I feel like maybe it just doesn't start strong, but that's literally just like the first two or three minutes of the film. The other thing as well that I reckon people don't like is the sort of uh, like storytelling uh, mode of a film. So it's like we're listening to a story being told and that is what the film is. But I felt like there was something really powerful about that mm. and and sort of getting to see Tom Nickerson as a 14-year-old boy and then as this... What what's he meant to be? Fifty three. As a forty four year old, seventy year old man. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Um, but also, I think with that. So, uh, just quickly, one of my favorite books is uh, "The Name in the Wind," and that takes that sort of structure. Like it's the story of a wizard who's kind of, um, you know, decided I don't want to be a part of magic anymore. He sort of opens an inn and then he operates the inn. But a chronicler comes around, just like the author in Ben uh, Ben Whishaw's character in In the Heart of the Sea comes around and he's like, oh, please tell me the story. I want to hear the story of you, one of the most powerful wizards that ever was sort of thing. So it reminded me of that. And I don't, I don't hate that mode of film. I don't hate that way of telling a story. But I reckon for some people, they're just not into it. But I thought that all the acting was so good that surely you can see past that. That's so, I'm really, obviously I'm not pissed off because... You know, it's silly, and all those, all those actors, all those actors are are so successful now, and the director is obviously very successful. But also because it's a true story, like I just don't get what people don't see in it. But I'm sure this is the thing, isn't it? We're not all the same. We don't all have the same brains and the same eyes. So when I watch something and get really excited about it, I can't expect someone else to feel exactly the same way. But no, it's fine. But I'm more my. I'm more of your opinion than I am that it was bad. I mean, so for me, my sort of 10 cents word is that it it wasn't anything absolutely spectacular, but it was an enjoyable film, which which I thought immersed you really well in the world, had a sort of educational aspect to it. 
and was quite interesting, really. So whilst I don't think it is anything, you know, it's not mind-blowing, but I thought it was good. I thought it was a good, solid film. So I, I'm going to say, based on what I know, that it is underrated based on those ratings, but also I know that it was quite a commercial failure as well. So I'm going to go underrated and underseen. What about you? Oh, yeah, definitely. I absolutely think it's underrated and definitely underappreciated as well. I think people, I just feel like maybe some people were missing something. Because if if I was going to rate it, I would give it a high seven, like easily. I think going down into the sixes, maybe I can just about tolerate, but 42. I mean, that's Too just... Harsh. I don't know what they, I don't know what they were watching. Maybe they're watching the wrong film. I don't know. <laughs> so there you go. In the heart of the sea, underrated, underseen, underappreciated, definitely. And I'm glad we're in agreement on this, Josh. So Absolutely. what are we going to be watching for next week? Uh, next week, we are going to be watching Evolution. <gasps> okay, yeah. Orlando Jones? It is Orlando Jones, Ooh. David Duchovny, Sean William Scott as well. Okay, so, uh, interesting. Yeah, so so come back to us next week when we're going to be watching um, Evolution. Um, in the meantime, if you could pop on the old iTunes Apple podcast and give us a five-star rating or review, it would be very much appreciated. It helps other people find us and they can find out whether they thought In the Heart of the Sea was good or all the other films we've done. Um, if you'd like to get in touch with us, it's filmsandthatpod at gmail.com. And we're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, just films and that pod. Also, we do have a website. It's www.justfilmsandthatpod.com. Um, Alice Oliver, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you so much, Josh. Pleasure as always. Uh, see you next week. Cheerio. Bye. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. 